Welcome to the Preach Jesus podcast. I'm Lydia Trainer, and along with my husband Greg, we would like to welcome you to the podcast. In today's podcast, we look at a message Greg preached called The Healing Ministry, a work for every believer. Yes, today we get a further look into the work Jesus accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection. You see, the gospel is so much more than fire insurance against an eternity in hell. It's a promise of a new life filled with God's blessings here on the face of the earth today. Today's teaching is from a diocesan conference in the Diocese of St. Augustine, Florida. In this three-part podcast series, we are going to get a more in-depth look at this wonderful life that Jesus came to bring us. We're going to see in this series that the promises of the gospel are not merely an after-death experience. God desired to restore the human race to himself. That work will be complete in heaven, but for the Christian it begins at conversion and baptism, and it gets better as we walk towards heaven. In this series of three podcasts, we are going to look at healing. We are going to see that Not only is healing available to the Christian, but that God desires to use us as his instrument to bring healing to those around us. Before we start the preaching clip, let's say a prayer and open our lives to the truth and power of God's word. Father, help us to open our hearts to the truth and power of your word. We pray that the grace and power of the Holy Spirit will reveal to us the truth of what we are studying. May it change our lives in such a way that we would never be the same again. Amen. So we see that this problem of being separated from God has its roots in sin. And that God sent Jesus of Nazareth to destroy this work of sin. We can read it just before Revelation or the three epistles of John. In the first epistle of John, in the third chapter, it rephrases what Peter was stating in the home of Cornelius, the same truth expressed in slightly different words. Verse 8, chapter 3, 1 John. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You see, Jesus of Nazareth came into the world for a very specific purpose, and that is to rescue us from sin. Here, it's expressed in the Word with the words, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil, which was leading mankind into sin. So we find this perfect existence with God in the garden. We find it destroyed by sin. And we see the promise of a restoration to that perfect life in the presence of God where there be no sickness or crying or mourning or suffering or pain or brokenheartedness or addiction or debt or poverty or lack or strife, prejudice. It's all going to be gone when we live in the perfect presence of God in heaven. And in between what happened to bring the restoration was that God entered human history in the person of Jesus of Nazareth that a child conceived in the power of the Holy Spirit born of a virgin 
born in Bethlehem, an out-of-the-way place in a little part of the world, didn't even have a room inside, born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and laid in a manger, that God entered the human race as Jesus of Nazareth, Emmanuel, God is with us, true God and true man, a God like us in everything but sin. Whenever I think of this, I think of the words of Pope Leo because he wrote in the end of the 1800s of this event of the birth of Jesus that God came at a time when there was no human hope of salvation. That this is a beautiful paradox of the Gospel. That man is completely unable to overcome sin and its maladies. But God is perfectly able to overcome it, completely willing. And this was manifested in Jesus of Nazareth, sent to be an offering for our sins. That this was the purpose of His birth. That He lived a perfect life. That when He died on Calvary's cross, He died not for His own wrongdoing, but for the wrongdoing of every human being that would ever live throughout all of human history. So that when He died on the cross, His final proclamation in one of the Gospels is put this way. It is finished. It is finished. The Lamb of God who took away our sins. Just as the the words of the priest during the Eucharistic prayer at the consecration, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He died for our sins. He was buried. After three days, He rose again in the power of the Holy Spirit. He won a victory over death. He ascended into heaven. He sits upon a throne. We've studied this together a year or two ago when I preached at the conference in Ephesians. It says that He's seated upon a throne. And that beneath His feet is every rule and dominion and power and authority, every name given in this age and in the age to come, that He rules over all things. That it's through Him entering human history and dying for our sins and winning a victory not only over sin, but over death, that He's resurrected, that He's seated on a throne in heaven, and the gates of heaven are open, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come! The Spirit of God going to the nations of the world today and opening the hearts of the lost, of those who haven't even yet heard of the name of Jesus, planting the seeds of truth into lives so that when everyday people like you and me come to a place that you never thought you would go and a place you never thought you would stand and you preach Jesus, the Spirit of God has prepared their hearts and you go as part of the bride that's the church The Spirit and the Bride say, come. The gates are open. The price has been paid. The mission is available. All who hear can come. It's available to all. The full package. And one of the beautiful things of the Gospel is that it's not an after-death promise. It's not an after-death promise. That the nearness of the kingdom of God is as near as the opening of a heart. That people can live a new and a different life here on the face of the earth today. If they accept Jesus, they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been in churches and towns, especially in the Northern Czech Republic when we're in there, 
we'd go to a church and I would know before I went to the church what the average Sunday mass attendance was. And usually it was between 5 and 15. But when we went, we'd find two, three, four hundred people in church. Most of these villages, the only church was the Catholic church. This wasn't a, an interdenominational outpouring that brought a lot of different Christians together. Most of these folks, if you asked them the day before, they'd tell you they were an atheist. If you told them, did you know that God loves you? They, a lot of them asked the same two questions. How do I know there is a God? And if there is, how could I know that He loves me? But they'd come, they'd hear the Gospel, they'd accept Christ. We pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and for the, the healings and miracles. Some of these people didn't even have their first catechism lesson yet to be baptized with water. And when they come to the front of the church, they'd go out in the power of the Holy Spirit and as they hit the floor, they'd start praying in tongues. That's how near the Kingdom of God is. God poured the Holy Spirit baptism out on Cornelius and his household, and so He'll do it today. You have an unbaptized person, you don't have to get them in the RCIA program and wait 11 months or 15 months until they get baptized the next Easter. Honestly, you take them to the church, that's what they got to wait. You tell them, open your heart, we'll get that started, but you open your heart, I want to pray for you to be healed, I want to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God will give you a new life today. Hallelujah. Okay, that's my introduction. <laughs> now. <laughs> now we're going to get serious. Hold on your your Bible. We're getting ready to, we're getting ready to go. But Jesus came to rescue the human race from sin and all of its maladies. That's the whole alphabet soup of sickness and disease. We got so many diseases, we got call letters for them because we can't remember their Latin names. People come up in the healing line, they give me the letters, and I just quietly say to Jesus, I'm glad you know what it is. I don't even know if I've heard the letters before, but I know the answer. Be healed in Jesus' name. Sometimes, because I'll say, you know, God can heal your whole body at once. He can heal seven things as easily as He can heal one. So they'll come up with a list of eight. And out of the eight, best I could do is remember two. <laughs> I'm glad it's simple. Father, heal this sick body. Let Your glory flow through it. By the power in Jesus' name, I call this one well. It was up to them for me to remember a list of eight things. They'd be in sad shape. But we see in the life of Jesus, we had a nice little summary of it in the words of Peter in the book of Acts. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. He came and he proclaimed a message. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He cured the sick. That's what readily comes to mind when so many of us think about Jesus and His earthly ministry. 
Matthew chapter 4. We get it in a nutshell. Verses 23 and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptic and paralytics, and he healed them. That brings us to the end of the first part of today's message. Now for a few brief messages. For more information about our ministry, preachjesus.org, visit our website at www.preachjesus.org. For more information about the podcast, including what podcast apps the podcast is available to be heard on, please visit www.preachjesus.org. Dot org forward slash podcast. You can reach that page by clicking on the word podcast at the top of the ministry's homepage. This podcast is available free of charge to all who would like to listen. We are believing God for 300 partners that will give $30 per month for the podcast to continue and to offer it for free to all. If you would like to join us as a partner of the podcast for any amount of a monthly gift, please visit the podcast webpage. You can also help us in praying for us in our work or by making a one-time donation. Again, more information is available on the podcast webpage at www.preachjesus.org forward slash podcast. And now... Let's get back to the preaching of the second part of today's message. It continues, But the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is the Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed through all in Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I love that verse because it's a one-sentence summary of the earthly ministry of Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And were witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. How God raised him on the third day and showed him openly not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that 
through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. Hallelujah. That's the good news of the Gospel. We have some lovely accounts of Peter in the book of Acts taking the simple message of the Gospel, the kerygma, the first conversion-bringing proclamation of the Gospel. We see him preaching it in the streets on Pentecost when the crippled man is healed at the beautiful gate of the temple when Peter and John were entering. And Peter says, Silver or gold I have none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus the Nazarene. Rise and walk. And when the man goes running and leaping and praising God, no one has to ask what happened because they all knew him. They came to Peter and they say, Peter, John, how did you do this? And Peter says, it didn't happen by any power or holiness of ours. It's by the power in the name of Jesus of Nazareth that this man stands before you well and he preaches the kerygma, the first conversion-bringing proclamation of the Gospel. He boils the Gospel down to its essential elements. John Paul said that this kerygma is proclaiming the life and death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And those words describe with a precision this very short sermon that Peter preaches in the home of Cornelius. The life and death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And in there we have that wonderful synopsis of the earthly ministry of Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. I want to put this inside of a larger picture. Because I think for most folks, and I'm not just talking charismatic Catholics, most Catholics have very little trouble believing that Jesus healed the sick. That He opened the eyes of the blind, that He caused the crippled to get up and walk, that He opened deaf ears, that He raised the dead to life. But I want to take a look at what's the significance of this throughout all of eternity. If we're going to look at healing, we can't do that without examining sickness because if it wasn't for sickness, healing wouldn't be so important. So I want to talk at both ends. If There's two places where we don't find sickness. One is when we go back to the Garden of Eden. Here we find life as God originally intended it to be. We find them living a perfect life without the maladies of sin and sickness and disease. We find them living in a perfect presence of God. Living in a place where they didn't have to work for their food. It was there for the picking. There was no hurricanes because the ground was watered by a mist that came out. How about that? No hurricane alley. It wasn't until they sinned and were cast out of the garden that it said that man would have to work for a living by the sweat of their brow, that women would suffer in childbirth, and that's when death entered the world, that sin took the God's perfect creation and threw it into a disorder. We know this from our teaching as on original sin, but sin had an effect 
not just in separating man physically from God and not just in excluding us from the perfect presence of God, but the effects of sin went through all of the physical creation. At the time of sin is when sickness and disease entered the world. You didn't see the disorder of nature, of earthquakes and and, uh, famine and hurricanes and tornadoes and all these things didn't exist in the garden. There we find the physical universe falling into a disorder. And it has everything from your car rusting to the tires wearing out. It's all a manifestation of living in a world that's separated from its original perfect condition. The other place that we'll see that sin didn't exist or won't exist is in heaven. Let's look in Revelation chapter 20 and we'll read this together. Revelation chapter 21. Beginning in verse 1, this is the revelation given to John in a vision. I call this in the Word one of the windows to heaven. It's a place where we can get an accurate description of the place in which the Christian is to hope to spend all of eternity. If I'm going to spend all of eternity somewhere, I have a a, a hunger to find out more. And this is a very beautiful and full description of what life in heaven is like. It's a window, like going to the outside of a house and opening the window and peering in, seeing what's going on in there. John is writing this, he says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Isn't that beautiful? Those words that God speaks from His throne to John in this vision recorded in the book of the Revelation, I make all things new. It is done. You see, the promises of God have a completeness. It doesn't matter what malady we suffer with. 
It doesn't matter what condition we have. It doesn't matter if we even see a way out from the mess we find ourselves in. There's a God seated on His throne in heaven that wants nothing more than to love you, to reach down and to be here for you, to rescue from sin that started this mess to begin with. And He wants to be present to you today. He is so close and so much at hand and so willing to help you that when you came for baptism, that He Himself came to dwell in you in the fullness of His power, in the third person of the Blessed Trinity. You became a temple of the Holy Spirit and He goes with you every moment of every day throughout the week. Every moment of every day. Ever present. All powerful. Ever willing to work on your behalf. Well, that brings us to the end of the second part of our three-part teaching on healing in this podcast series. We can see that healing is a part of the restoration that God brings to us. Jesus won that victory with his life, death, and resurrection. He brought victory over sin and all of the problems that sin ushered into the world. Jesus not only won a victory over death, he also won a victory over sickness and disease. The victory that Jesus won over sickness and disease is available to us through the gift of healing. Everywhere we go and preach the gospel, we also lay our hands on the sick and pray for them to be healed in Jesus' name. In churches, conferences, grocery stores, city streets, and even hospitals, we see the power of the name of Jesus healing the sick. That is for certain. We have seen God do great things. We've seen him open blind eyes, open deaf ears. We have seen the lame stand and walk when we prayed for them in the name of Jesus. Greg, would you close out the podcast with such a prayer for the healing of the sick? I certainly will. Father, I pray for those who are listening who suffer from sickness and disease to be healed in Jesus' name. Whatever sickness, disease, or problem you have and that you suffer from in your body is subject to the power in the name of Jesus, and I call you well in Jesus' name. Be well in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Greg. Again, it is our hope that God does something good in your life today. Our prayer for you today is from an old Irish blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Until next time, this is Greg and Lydia Trainer saying goodbye. Jesus loves you and so do we.